Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to continue the Sexy Saturday editions and talk about Rose Byrne. Now, when I've talked about the other Australian export beauties that we've had in the past, like Naomi Watts and Kate Blanchett and Nicole Kidman and so forth and so forth, I tend to always forget Rose Byrne. But Rose Byrne is not only a beautiful actress, but she's, she's very talented. And I think, especially in the comedic turns, I mentioned her in the episode I did with May and the two-part series, Underrated Actors and Actresses. And she was mentioned in that episode. I won't tell you what number. But Rose Byrne is not only talented, but she's quite fetching. She's quite nice on the eyes. Now let's get some basics on the Byrne here. She is 43 years old. As I mentioned, she's Australian. She's got two kids. And in terms of her looks, she is 5'6", so average height, and brown eyes. So she's got the brown eyes, brown hair combo. Uh, similar Sexy Saturday installments would be Daisy Edgar-Jones or Emma Russell. Both of them had brown eyes, brown hair as well. Now, Rose Byrne works hard. She's done a lot of work. She's done a lot of work. I wonder when was the first time you ever saw her. I probably saw her, recognized her, or like, oh, who's this beauty? Probably in Troy. That's the Brad Pitt movie where he plays Achilles. And she is the girl that is his slave, Briseis, the one that tames his heart. And there, you know, I've joked, I've joked with May in the past, like Brad Pitt in Troy is one of those those characters that could have turned me gay because he's just so chiseled in that movie. And they have a little tryst, a little sex scene. And that's probably the first time I saw her. She had done some earlier roles like Aussie movies and stuff like that. She had a very small role in Attack of the Clones Star Wars as Dorme, but would not recognize her. 2004 is where she started getting roles. She was in Wicker Park. That's the possibly future Sexy Saturday, Diana Kruger and Josh Hartnett, who pretty much retired from Hollywood. They're in that movie. 2006, she's in Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette, opposite Kirsten Dunst. She plays Yolande de Palestron. And then 2007, she's in 28 Weeks Later, the zombie movie. And in this movie, she's uh, you know, she's moving up. She's the second lead behind Robert Carlyle from the original movie. So she's working her way up, like the Jeffersons say, to the penthouse in the sky. She's working her way up. 2009, she does Knowing, that really bad Nicolas Cage movie. She's the second lead in that. Then she does, you know, she mixes in the, the indies here and there starting now that she's she's leaving the Australian, the Australian movies and is getting more successful movies. So she does a movie called Adam in 2009 where she has a relationship with a guy who's got Asperger's. 2010, she does Get him to the Greek. Now, I would tell you, get him to the Greek is probably her peak comedic portrayal. So getting him to the Greek, some people would say is like a sequel to Forgetting Sarah Marshall because it's essentially the same guys involved. Jonah Hill plays a small role in 
forgetting Sarah Marshall plays the waiter at the resort, and of course Russell Brand is in is in forgetting Sarah Marshall, and in Get Him to the Greek he plays Aldous Snow again, and it's the job of Jonah Hill's character to get him to this big show, and she plays Jackie Q, who is kind of like his on and off again girlfriend, and in the scenes where they have her singing. And doing the songs that Jackie Q's famous for. I mean, it is so over the top. She's so over the top good in this movie. And it really, really demonstrates, I think, the first time her comedic chops. Which she'll demonstrate later on. And probably most iconically in, in, in the movie in the following year. But get him to the Greek. She is amazing. The movie itself is very flawed. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it's that good. It's Nicholas Stoller. Again, same guy who did... Forgetting Sarah Marshall does a lot of work with Jason Segel. But the movie itself is not good, but she steals the show. 2010 is a banner year for her as well because she also does Insidious. We've talked about the Blumhouse movies. I think that was one of the first 10 episodes I've ever done. How a lot of Hollywood studios should learn from the Bloodhouse model of, of movies because they don't spend a lot on their movies. But since horror is so popular, they make a killing. So Jason Blum knows what he's doing. So Insidious, of course, this has tons of installments, and this is the original. It does very well. So 2010 is a banner year for her. 2011 is a humongous year. This is Bridesmaids. She plays the foil to Kristen Wiig's character, and she's great as Helen. I mean, she's just so great as like the frenemy, but it's not even a friend. It's more of an enemy. She's great in that movie, and she looks quite gorgeous as well. In that year, she also has a, a role in X-Men First Class. It's sad what happened to the X-Men First Class movies because the first one was good. This is the one with Fassbender and James McAvoy and, and um, Jennifer Lawrence. And they just, they got subsequently so bad. 2012, Place Behind the Pines. This is a movie that is, it's got uh, a bunch of people in it. Cooper, Ryan Gosling, Eva Mendez. And she's got a role in it. I've not seen it. It's a drama. It's, it's relatively well regarded. 2013, she does the internship. This is the follow-up with Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn reuniting since Wedding Crashers. The movie just was, was pretty flat. It's about them being interns at an IT company. She's in that movie uh, as well. And then here and there, she does little indie movies like she has. I Give It a Year in 2013. She also does the follow-up to Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2 in 2013. 2014 is a banner year for her because she does a bunch of, of indie movies. This is Where I Leave You is a film done by Sean Levy. And it's got Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, and Catherine Hahn. It has a lot of people. If I remember correctly, I do remember seeing this. I think somebody dies and it's all the family's got to reunite. It's one of those ensemble movies. But she's probably most famous in 2014 for doing Neighbors. That is the Seth Rogen uh, collaboration. She's married to Seth Rogen and Zac Efron is the frat house that is next door to them. And of course they start a war and there's a sequel to that movie that is not that good. The original Neighbors is pretty good. It's pretty good. She also does a comedy called Adult Beginners, which is an indie drama in 2014, one of those small movies. 2015, she does Spy. I remember seeing Spy in the movie theaters. Let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is... The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life, to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20, 
17, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. Spy is one of the few Melissa McCarthy movies that I can tolerate. I love her on Gilmore Girls. We have an episode here on the Amy Sherman Palladino universe. I thought she was fine in Gilmore Girls. And then it's kind of like what Rebel Wilson was in, in Bridesmaids and her early roles. You think that she's acting well, but then you realize that's the same. She's the same in pretty much every movie. So if you look at McCarthy's work, subsequently, she's kind of the same in all of her comedies. But Spy is good because in Spy, Rose Byrne plays the kind of leader of these of this of this bad guy spy agency, and so Melissa McCarthy, who's pretending essentially to be a spy, has to fake her out, and she does a good job of just playing just a really a good funny bad girl. She's Rhina Bonavid in that movie. 2016 is Neighbors 2 and then X-Men Apocalypse as well. 2018 she does Insidious. She does Peter Rabbit. And she does Instant Family. Instant Family is a movie well-loved with people who adopt children and have blended families. This is Wahlberg's movie. And uh, she plays the wife who adopts all these kids. 2020 she does Like a Boss. Like a Boss is a movie that has... What happened to Tiffany Haddish, right? But it's got Tiffany Haddish, Rose Byrne, and Salma Hayek. It was a comedy that really didn't do that well. It really didn't do that well. So you see, like, starting at this point, her career is, is not as successful in terms of the movies. She comes back and does Peter Rabbit again, in the second one in 2021. And then after that, it's just, eh. She's got a role in Spirited. I don't know if any of you guys saw this movie. I think this was on Apple TV, but it was Will Ferrell and... Ryan Reynolds doing a Christmas comedy, uh, kind of based on the Christmas Carol. 2023, she does Insidious again because hey, you can never get too much of these movies, and you know it's a paycheck. Then in 2023, she also does Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem that's coming out later in the summer, and then she's slated to be in a comedy called Inappropriate Behavior that has her boy in it and Robert De Niro. Television-wise, she's probably most famous for being in the show Damages. Damages was a drama that ran for five years. It had Glenn Close as the lead, and I mean, Glenn Close is such an excellent actress, one of the best actresses who's never received an Academy Award, but at this point, she probably is never gonna get one. She was on that show for all five years, and uh, it was on FX if you ever watched it, but that's probably her biggest television contribution and she's done a little tv here and there recently she's done the show platonic on apple tv so apple tv loves her and again she's reuniting with nicholas stoller and from get him to the greek 
And uh, this is a comedy that stars her and Seth Rogen, essentially is like best friends. It's it's best friends that hang out together. And uh, it's so far, as, as far as I know, it's been pretty well received. So Rose Byrne, peak Rose Byrne is, I would say, she's 43, but I would say like late, late knots, early teens. She has a very just elegant face, almost like when her hair is pulled back, like the way she looks in Spy or the way she looks in Bridesmaids, she has, uh, I, I, I don't want to be, I mean, kind of blasphemous, a little Audrey Hepburn to her. She, she can pull off the sophisticated, but she can also pull off the girl next door. She can definitely do comedy, as you see, and get him to the Greek and a neighbor. She's got good comedic talent. I love it when she has the Australian accent, because I think she's, or the British accent, depending the Commonwealth accent, so to speak. I think she's great when she actually uses her accent. And I just find her to be an elegant beauty and quite attractive. And even at 43, she's aging quite well. In terms of her personal life, she has been with Bobby Cannavale. Just love that, that that name rubs off the tongue. She's been with him for like 10 years. He's one of those that guys. Like if you look at his face, you'll be like, oh man, this guy's been a lot of television and a lot of movies. He's one of those that guys. And they've been together 10 years. She was with an Australian actor before that. But with Cannavale, they have two children together. And they're not married. They be fornicating. They be cohabiting as the, the old Baptist priests would say. They are fornicators. They have not been married, but they've been together for 10 years. They have two children. They have a seven-year-old and they have a six-year-old. So, Rose Byrne, love you to death. You're gorgeous. Keep up the good work. I think you have a great combination of being able to do drama and comedy, as I mentioned in the Underrated Actor series. So keep it up. Guys, I'll post a poll over at Spotify and at the Cinema Rag Facebook group. Let me know what you think of The Burn. Please rate and review on Spotify or on Apple because it helps with the algorithm. There's a link for PayPal in the episode notes. And there's also a link to go to the website, which hosts all the Eclectico Gregorio feeds. But the best way to listen to them is all, of course, on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.